everyone. Could we all say after me, Melchizedek. One, sorry, one, two, three. Melchizedek. I think a Guinness World Record was just made then. All right, let's, let's pray now. Blessed God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son into the world to save us from our sins. And we pray that you would help us now with this difficult passage that is so encouraging and hope-inspiring for us um, to understand it, that we might receive the benefit of knowing Jesus as our great high priest. And we ask these things for his sake. Amen. Martin Luther and John Calvin are Christian household names for many people, or at least within our tradition, are not so much the so-called third man of the Reformation, a Swiss guy named Huldrych Zwingli. Um, In 1523, he wrote up a number of articles or concise theological statements for a debate in Zurich against Catholic opponents. Uh, Listen to these sentences. Uh, Sentence two. The sum and substance of the gospel is that our Lord Jesus Christ, the true Son of God, has made known to us the will of his heavenly Father and has, with his innocence, released us from death and reconciled God. Three, hence Christ is the only way to salvation for all who ever were, are, and shall be. Four, who seeks or points out another door, errs. Yes, he is a murderer of souls and a thief. You could summarise the above with these words. Peter and John spoke to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high assembly. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. I grew up five minutes from Bronte Beach, Uh, I learned, as most coastal Australians do, the things that you do and the things that you don't do when you're at the beach. And I have a vivid memory of an incident when someone clearly hadn't learnt those rules. Uh, It was an early summer evening at Bronte and the air was cool. My cousin Alex and I had just finished a run on the sand and we were heading for the pool. Then Alex noticed a man in the surf. Now, man in the surf at the beach, normal. Uh, But in these circumstances, it it wasn't right. Uh, There wasn't much light. Uh, There were no lifeguards. The man was outside the flags. In fact, there weren't any flags because there weren't any lifeguards. He wasn't on a board. Uh, He was quite far out. The surf was rough, and he was in a riptide. Alex made the decision, wise or otherwise, Uh, to go in and help. And being a a very strong swimmer and a really good guy, he just went for it. Uh, But then Alex needed help as well. Uh, Providentially, uh, a man who was a a member of the Surf Lifesaving Club, he was um, walking past, he saw the situation, recognised the danger, and he sprinted into the club, took out a board, ran back, plunged into the surf. And after a few highly tense 
minutes soon, all were safely ashore. Uh, this morning, we're talking about salvation. And in particular, we're talking about the person who is fit to save us, the Lord Jesus. Uh, salvation, like that story of the man in the surf, is at its most basic a rescue carried out by God through his son to save us from trouble. Big, 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 capital T, trouble. And the way God uh, rescues us is so rich and wonderful, the Bible gives us multiple metaphors so we can understand the dimensions of that rescue. Here are the main ones. Uh, victory, reconciliation, acquittal, peace, sacrifice. And that last image of a sacrifice is the predominant one in Hebrews. And this is where Hebrews 7 comes in. Uh, because where there's sacrifice, there must be a priest to offer sacrifice. And for Jesus to save us by sacrifice, he needs to be a priest. But what kind of priest? Uh, chapter 5 of Hebrews uh, said that no one self-selects as a priest. That's not how God does things. He calls and authorizes priests. Listen to uh, chapter 5, verses 4 to 6. No one takes the honor of priesthood on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. Uh, likewise, Christ didn't presume to take on the glory of him, of him becoming a priest. But God said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father, and you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This morning, we're talking about salvation because Christ is the only way to salvation for all who ever were, are, and shall be. And knowing this, believing this, living this, Hebrews says, is maturity uh, and makes for joyful, confident following of Jesus. But to do that, we need to understand this obscure figure named Melchizedek. He's the key to unlocking what it means for Jesus to be a priest. Because by being a priest, Jesus saves us. So let's look at the passage now. And I think it can be divided into uh, three neat sections. I know it's quite tangled and labyrinthine, the logic and flow of the passage. And maybe you're far more confused than you came in. Uh, but this is how I'll, I'll set it out. Verses 1 to 10. Uh, a grander priest considered. Verses 11 to 19 a greater priesthood needed, and verses 20 to 28, a gracious saviour provided. So first, a grander priest considered. Uh, Melchizedek, despite some of those crazy details, was in fact a real person with a mummy and a daddy. Um, he shows up in Genesis 14. Uh, the details are slim but significant. He's a priest, he's a king, and he even met Abraham. Uh, notice this, though, uh, even though Hebrews argues that Jesus is like Melchizedek, it's actually the opposite way around. Um, Melchizedek is an example of the Son of God, it says in verse 3, regarding priesthood. He's an illustration. So in understanding Melchizedek, we're understanding an illustration of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and when we think about his greatness, that greatness is a kind of borrowed or illustrative greatness of the Son of God. So just how great was this guy? Uh, pretty fantastic. And here are the two reasons that are given. 
the first reason, Melchizedek got money off Abraham. Now, that might not sound significant, but it is, uh, because Abraham uh, was the man who had the promises from God. We see that in verse 6. Um, he's the chosen one. And Melchizedek wasn't even related to Abraham or to Israel. He had no place within Israel. And yet he's the one who's getting the cash off Abraham. Uh, this payment or tithe is reserved for people who are special, for a group who are special. It's an acknowledgement of their honour and their status. Um, and here's Abraham, Father Abraham, who has many sons and daughters. He's the one honouring Melchizedek. That's the first reason that he's great. Second, uh, Melchizedek blessed Abraham, uh, not vice versa. Look at verse 7. Without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Uh, that was the cultural logic of the time. We get it in principle, but in practice, we're more ambivalent. I remember as a uh, schoolboy how, I don't know if this was your experience, but the standout students uh, would always or often receive ribbing precisely because they were standout students. And I don't just mean academically, the nerds. Um, if one of the first 15 rugby players, for example, made a mistake during touch footy at lunchtime, even the most talentless, socially awkward kids felt a kind of cultural empowerment to pay them out. Um, it's just one of those odd Australian characteristics. We give credit where it's due, but at the same time, we hate the thought of other people being above us. It feels so unnatural. And if someone should get cocky, that's when we start to uh, polish our daggers. Uh, but here, we are dealing with a question of higher status. Um, and because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, according to the author, Melchizedek is the greater one. He's the man of higher status. All right then. So that's this, this grand priest, this grander priest uh, considered. Uh, this, this forces this issue of, okay, there's another priesthood operating here. So now we turn to this question of a greater priesthood that's needed. Uh, the writer shifts focus. We've moved from an individual to a, a system, from a priest to priesthood. And the key idea is actually imperfection, the imperfection of the first priesthood. Look at verse 11. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. And you also see this stated in verse 19. Uh, the law made nothing perfect. Now, we aren't to misunderstand this. It's not saying that the Levitical priesthood was a really bad idea when you think about it. Uh, it's not saying God made a mistake when he gave the law. Rather, it's saying that perfection uh, means that the goal wasn't met. The goal of effectively and finally bringing us to God with a great priest wasn't met under this first priesthood. It was provisional. And that was always going to be true. Uh, the, um, the tech nerds talk about planned obsolescence. Uh, this is the idea that um, we're, we're more into replacing than repairing. So I don't know which... Um, iPhone model we're up to now, and I'm not sure if um, the, the features are getting demonstrably better, but the sense is once it runs out of battery, you chuck it and get a new one. And that's, in a sense, what's going on here. It, it, the first priesthood did provide a, a, a service. It was a means of mediation 
with God, but it wasn't the finished product. The point is that Melchizedek represents an entirely different priesthood. Uh, And this calls into question the first one. And at this point, uh, Jesus is inserted into the picture in verses 14 to 17. He's qualified to be a priest, not because he comes from Levi. The text says he comes from Judah, the kingly line. Rather, his basis for priesthood is an indestructible life, verse 16. And as the final section will spell out, uh, this means a better and more perfect hope for us because through our gracious saviour, Uh, we draw near to God completely. So here we are at this final section, the gracious saviour provided. The the Puritan moderate Richard Sibbs wrote that Christ's sheep are weak sheep. Do you ever feel that way? I feel it uh, more and more, uh, my own weakness as a human being and as a follower of Jesus. This can be isolating. Uh, This can be frustrating. Uh, You might even uh, sometimes feel let down, perhaps, by God. Or at other times you might feel um, so immersed in guiltiness that it almost clings to you. Um, You might have zero spiritual feelings at points. And not just for an hour, uh, but for weeks or even months on ends, like a, a rural Australian drought, nothing, nothing comes, there seems to be no water. Uh, the Christian life is so far from sunshine, lollipops and rainbows at points. Uh, my Christian hero, William Cooper, uh, once groaned, uh, where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and his word? Do you recognize this at all? in your own experience. Because if you do, you're in very good company. Here's who we're hanging out with in our melancholy. Uh, The patriarchs, the prophets, Job, King David, the exiles, the returned exiles, the apostles. All these people felt this way at times too. It's a fact of our humanity and a fact of our faith that as Sib says, we are weak sheep. And before the new creation, uh, this life, despite the joys and the blessings that truly exist in it, uh, it will be a place of tears. It will be a place of difficulty. But we still need to live. We still need to get on as Christians, despite the weakness, despite the feelings that come with that weakness. So how can we possibly do that? Uh, Richard Sibbs again. Our first and highest comfort is that Christ as priest offered himself as a sacrifice to his father for us. Uh, But there's more to add to that as this final section shows. Verse 27. uh, Jesus made a once-for-all sacrifice for sins by offering up himself at a unique time and place. Uh, There won't be another cross of Christ. There's only one. Uh, That's why we confess in our creeds that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. One cross, one sacrifice. 
But death wasn't the end, and I don't just mean resurrection. Uh, The sacrifice of Jesus also inaugurated his priesthood. God swore that Jesus would be a priest forever. The Levitical high priest, as weak and mortal men, died in office and needed to be replaced. Verse 23. But Jesus, precisely because he lives forever, has a permanent priesthood. And so notice the wonderful conclusion in verse 25. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is alive. And what's he doing with that indestructible life? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But he's also doing this, representing us without interruption, without distraction. Verse 28 says that God's son has been appointed as a priest who has been made perfect forever. He is a high priest who truly meets our needs. Holy, blameless, pure, sinless, exalted, always to appear before the Father on our behalf. The work of our redemption is complete and Jesus doesn't cease to represent that work before the Father's throne. Even when we have bad days, even when we don't feel spiritual, even when we're tempted to despair, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore Zwingli was right. Christ is the only way to salvation for all who ever were uh, and shall be. These two final considerations. Do you acknowledge Jesus as the only one fit to pluck you from the ocean? As the priest perfectly qualified to cleanse you from your sin? I'm sure many of you have heard these appeals before, the classic kind of altar call of a sort. Let me put it in another way. Uh, Is your confidence in Jesus alone? Uh, Only Jesus can save, which means I can't save you. You can't save me. Uh, Membership of this church will not save you. Uh, Your respectability, your wealth, your religiosity, your um, perceived moral uprightness. Name the criterion. It can't save you unless it is the Lord Jesus, our priest. And therefore we put all our confidence without hesitation, without reservation in him, in his priesthood. Uh, Finally, the point of being saved, verse 25 says, is that we might come to God. The son did his priestly work so as to present us before his father. Our newly consecrated Archbishop Kanishka Rafal in his inaugural sermon spoke of his delight and honour, his chief delight and honour in being a child of God, a privilege shared by every Christian. And because of Jesus' priesthood, that privilege is secure, as secure as it could be in all eternity. Uh, do Do we know this and make use of this access that we have to God our Father. I know it's a a corporate cliche, but the Father has an open door policy.
for us. What a gracious saviour God has provided. Let's pray. Jesus, my great high priest, offered himself and died. My guilty conscience seeks no sacrifice besides. His powerful blood did once atone, and now it pleads before the throne. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.